It's good to be back with you. My name's Chris, and I'm one of the pastors here at New Life. Uh, my family and I have spent some time away the last couple of weeks. We've enjoyed some time together as a family, and so I'm back now, and I feel rested and recharged, which is good for me, and unfortunately for you, it means I've got about an hour and a half message locked and loaded for you this morning. I'm kidding. It's just an hour long. Um, so listen, as, uh, as Pastor Mark already said, um, if you're new or if you're newer here, perhaps you've been here for just a few weeks or a few months, maybe today's your first day, I want to encourage you to come to our Journey 101 next Sunday. It's right after this service. Uh, only takes about an hour and we'll feed you. Uh, good lunch for free. We have childcare available the whole nine yards. And really, this is just an opportunity for us to connect with you as a new person and kind of let you know who we are as a church, where we feel like God is taking us as a gospel community, as a faith family. And so if you've never been to a Journey 101 luncheon, would encourage you, go ahead, sign up for that. You can do that on our website. You can fill out your Connect card, or you can just go back to our uh, Connect booth and uh, they'll get you all signed up there. So hope that you'll do that if you're newer here. Uh, this morning, we're going to be back in our Hard Sayings of Jesus message series. Uh, if you've been here, you probably have already figured out that Jesus taught some really, really hard things. And so for the last six weeks or so, we've been just sort of unpacking some of the hardest of his teachings. And I think that what we've found as we've kind of muddled through some of these really hard teachings is that they are just absolutely chock full of powerful truths. I mean, truths that are just life transforming if we will actually live them out. And that's where the rub is, right? For a lot of us, even as Christians, we'll come to a place like this and we'll hear some amazing or challenging truth from God's word. And we'll say, wow, that's amazing, or that's powerful, or that's really convicting, or whatever it is. And then for so many of us, we'll walk out and we'll just kind of put it on the shelf of our minds, and it doesn't change our lives. And so we, we want to avoid that. We want to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. That's our hope as a people here at New Life. And here, here's the hard thing about a message series like this. I think the hard thing is, for many of us, we already have a picture. We have a picture in our minds about who Jesus is. And for many of us, that picture in our minds of who Jesus is, is different at times than the Jesus that we encounter in the Bible. And so oftentimes we hear really difficult teachings like we're about to hear. And I think sometimes our tendency is to think like, okay, that's not my Jesus. Like my Jesus would never say that. Like he, he would never say something that challenging or that offensive to me. Like I, that's not, that's not my Jesus. Well, that, the problem with that like school of thought is that's the real Jesus. So if your Jesus disagrees with the Jesus of the Bible, I don't want to say this any more politely, you're following a fake Jesus. You've just kind of like concocted this figment of your imagination, Jesus. And so here's the deal. At New Life, we want to make sure that we are worshiping and we are following the real Jesus, not a fake Jesus that we've created in our minds somehow to make us feel really comfortable about our lives and our decisions. And so if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, Go ahead and open it up and, uh, or turn it on your device and head to uh, Matthew's gospel. Matthew's gospel. And we're going to sort of drill down into Matthew chapter 6 this morning. 
In my experience, the, the teaching that we're about to look at is one of the teachings that um, for most American Christians, I think we just, we come across teachings like this, this one in particular, and we tend to just ignore it, right? Some of, some of Jesus' teachings are hard because they're hard to understand. We come to them, we're like, man, what, what did Jesus really mean by that? Did he mean this or did he mean that? Some of his teachings are hard because they're really offensive. Right? They just like offend us at the core of who we are. This teaching is hard just because I think it's really hard to live out. Like we, don't, we just don't want to do this one. So we read it and I think we're kind of like in our minds or in our hearts, we're kind of like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I don't really, wa- I don't really want to do that. And so I just, I know that Jesus will forgive me one day for not obeying this command And uh, I think that's probably one of the biggest tragedies in the American church today. When uh, God's children hear the voice of God through the word of God and we just say no. Like, I I don't really, I don't want to do it. And so I'm not, I'm not going to do it. It's God like it's too, it's too hard. It's too uncomfortable. It's going to take me places I don't want to go. It's going to cost me too much. And so I know this is what you require of my life as your disciple, but I'm just going to shelf it because I don't really want to deal with it right now. And I think that's exactly what happens for many Christians, if not most Christians, with this particular teaching that we're about to read together. And so I hope you're there now, Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to begin in verse uh, 19, and this is uh, Jesus teaching here. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now, that is pretty clear cut, isn't it? Like that's not one of Jesus' teachings that's hard to understand. You're like, man, I don't really know what he's saying there. I can't really, I'm not really sure what he's getting at there. That is easy to understand. That's cut and dry. It's black and white. That's just really uncomfortable to live out, isn't it? Because when Jesus uses that word treasure there, he's specifically talking about our money. He's specifically talking about our wealth, and we'll see that in just a minute. Now, we can treasure all kinds of different things as human beings, can we not? I mean, we can treasure uh, relationships. We can treasure uh, sex. We can treasure power. We can treasure influence, all of those things. And out of all the treasures that we tend to idolize or worship as human beings, Jesus zeroes in on just one of them, money. And as I was studying it this, this, this week, I found out that Jesus taught more about money than anything else except for God's kingdom. I mean, he teaches about money at an astonishingly high rate. Teaches about money more than heaven or hell combined. He teaches about money more than love, more than sex, more than obedience. That's kind of shocking. So I think what that should do is it should cause us to kind of pause and then just ask the question, why? Why did Jesus talk so much about money? Why did he constantly on repeat go back to our possessions and keep hitting it again and again and again throughout the Gospels? Now, I know what some of you are probably thinking. You're probably thinking, man, dang, out of all the Sundays to come check out a new church, this cat cat is going to be talking about money today. Um, Or I, you know, finally got my, you know, neighbor to come with me to church and uh, this joker is talking about money. Well, uh, you know, let me put your, your mind at ease uh, this morning. I, I don't want your money. I'm not going to ask for it. 
Uh, I'm not going to have some kind of like weird offering at the end just to see how many of you really love Jesus. Uh, but, I do, but, I, but I do want... But I do want you to walk out of here understanding with a level of clarity what Jesus had to say about your money and why he said it the way he said it. Because at the heart of this teaching, here's what I think Jesus is really saying to us. He's saying to us, you will be a treasure hunter. You will be. We are all hunting for and collecting treasure in life. And Jesus says in this teaching, there are two types of distinct treasure hunters. The first type is those who collect treasure on earth, those who accumulate money and possessions for themselves. These are the people that are always pushing for bigger and better and nicer and newer and more fancy and more luxurious and more and more and more. That's kind of the attitude. And then Jesus says there's going to be a much smaller group of people, and these people are going to be called my disciples, and these people will collect treasure in eternity. Jesus says, one of the marks of my disciples is that they live this kind of like perplexing life where they're building up treasures in eternity. So their their value system is different. How they invest their resources is different. How How they spend their time and their talent is markedly different from the world around them. And don't miss this. This is a command from Jesus. Jesus just says, don't store up treasure on earth. He doesn't say, hey, listen, you know what? If you feel like it someday, if it doesn't put you out too much, then perhaps you could consider this at some point. He simply says, don't do it. It's a, it's a command. If you wanna be my disciple, this is how you live. This is how you must view and leverage wealth and possessions in my kingdom. And understand this because I know that you're probably, probably like me and you don't consider yourself a wealthy person. I want you to understand if you are an American in 2018, by historical standards and by current global standards, you are wealthy. You just, you are. If you eat multiple meals a day, If you sleep in a warm and a dry place, if you have reliable transportation of any kind, if you have access to clean drinking water, if you have access to just the most basic of medical care, you are infinitely more wealthy than the vast majority of the world. And so I say that because I want you to understand this. When you're reading the teachings of Jesus and you come to a part where he's talking about money or wealth, this is what tends to happen. We tend to think, well, he's talking about somebody else. All right, he's talking about those people over there who make six figures or those people over there who are millionaires. And so I want you to see that he's actually talking to you. So go ahead and like draw yourself into that circle, place yourself into that circle. Whenever you come upon a teaching where Jesus is addressing the wealthy or the rich, he's talking to you if you're an American in 2018. So include yourself in that command. So the command from Jesus is clear. It's absolutely clear. But the question that I had as I was processing this teaching this week is, what does this mean for me? What does it mean for me as a disciple of Jesus? How is this fleshed out in in my, my own life? Does this mean that I need to go and sell my house and just like move into a cardboard box somewhere? Does it mean I need to sell my car and just buy a bike and cycle to work every day? What, what does this really mean? What does this look like in, in my life? Because here's the deal. I want to obey Jesus. I, I, I want to love Jesus more than I love anything else. Let me pause for a minute, just as an aside. 
Here's what Jesus is not saying. Jesus is not saying that money or wealth is wrong or evil. He's not saying money or wealth is wrong or evil. This is what he's saying. He's saying it's dangerous. He's saying it's really, really dangerous. And so the question that has to be posed is, why is Jesus being so serious about this subject? And why is he being so demanding about this topic? Well, he tells us exactly why in verse 21. Look at verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus says it's dangerous, believer, because your heart is at stake. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Whatever you treasure most is what owns you. And for almost all of us, that's either going to be God or it's going to be our money. It's going to be our stuff. It's going to be our possessions. So just understand that this is a, this is a heart issue. It's not about money. God doesn't need our money. He's after our hearts. And so he goes back to money and possessions again and again and again because our hearts are at stake. Do you see the implications of this teaching, friend? Jesus is saying you are either going to spend your life pursuing stuff that is going to poison your heart, stuff that is going to fill you with anxiety. And by the way, Jesus connects this with anxiety. So we're going to talk about that next week. So if you've ever struggled with anxiety in your life, you want to make sure to be back next week. So he says, you're either going to live out your life that way or you're going to exhaust your life pursuing things that are going to last for eternity. You're going to store up treasures in heaven. You're going to find joy in living in this way that Jesus tells his disciples to live. And Jesus is saying to us, look, money can't give you that. A bigger house can't give you that. A nicer car can't give you that. A fat bank account can't give you that. Your 401k will never give you that. But Jesus says, I can give you that. And so invest in my kingdom, invest in people, invest in the poor, invest in my bride, the church. Invest in sending missionaries to nations that are dark, that have no gospel presence at all. And as you invest in things that will matter into eternity, sit back and you watch as your joy begins to overflow. Watch as you, as you build a war chest of, of treasure in heaven that will never rot. It will never rust. It will never be stolen from you. It will be your joy forever and ever and ever. And the truth of the matter is that for many of us, I think, we would say with our mouths that we love Jesus with all of our hearts. Like if I were to meet you in the lobby after this is over and say, hey, do you love Jesus? For most of you, you would say, of course I love. Why do you think I'm here, man? Why do you think I got up in the morning and actually brushed my teeth and combed my hair on a Sunday morning? Of course I love Jesus. I think the majority, the vast majority of you would say with your mouth that you love Jesus and you love him more than anything else. But the sad reality is that for many of us, we betray our words with the way that we live our lives. You are either storing up treasures for yourself that will fail you one day, or you're going to store treasures that will never fail you and never disappoint you into eternity. So the question I have is, I mean, is, it, is it possible is it possible that for many of us, perhaps God doesn't really own our hearts? 
Is it possible, friend, that, that, that for so many of us, we, we would claim love for Jesus with our mouths while we come to church, while we post Bible verses on our social media accounts, and at the very same time that we do all of those things, is it possible that our hearts belong to our stuff? That our hearts belong to our money, to our possessions, to our wealth. If you want to know where your heart is, find your treasure. That's where your heart is. Like if, if you were to just like do this, maybe this would be a healthy exercise for all of us to do at some point in the next week. If you were to go and look at your bank statements for the last six months, what would that tell you about what you really treasure? Right, if you were to look at that, would the first thing that comes to your mind be, man, I really love Jesus. I'm really investing in his kingdom. Or would you have to say, ouch, I really love myself. I really love my comfort. I really love my hobbies. I really love everything about me. Are you storing up treasures for yourself on earth? Or are you storing up treasures in eternity? That is hard. That is a hard teaching. That's really uncomfortable. That feels a little bit offensive, doesn't it? Like I feel offended again just talking about it. That's offensive. And then Jesus kind of like ramps it up as he always does and he drives it home with this seemingly strange illustration beginning in verse 22. He says this, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. That sounds good, right? Verse 23, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. It doesn't sound good. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Jesus says, whatever you set your eyes on, whatever you set your eyes on, that's what your heart will follow. Let me, let me illustrate. So you guys know we were on vacation. And um, so we were, we were at the beach. We were on the South Carolina coast. And our day consisted of waking up, going to the pool, having lunch, going to the beach. It was like our, our daily schedule for a week. And that was, that, was, that was awesome. It was an incredible week. But, but I had, that means I had a lot of free time, which isn't always good, right? It's not always good when we have too much free time. So one night um, after the kids were in bed, Cheryl and I were sitting on the couch and we were watching TV and I was just doodling on my, my iPad. And I just thought to myself, Hey, I'll just go to cars.com and check out, you know, kind of what's there just for the heck of it. I mean, I'm not looking at buying anything, um, but just curious as to what's there. And I kid you not, the more, <laughs> the more I looked with my eyes, the stronger the pool became in my heart. Right? So five minutes in, I was like, yeah, this is kind of cool. 30 minutes in, I'm like, I got to have it. Like, I need that. I need that to do my work well. Right? <laughs> And so I'm, so I'm like thinking, I'm like rationalizing in my mind, like ways to shift things around. Like my kids don't really need braces. Like that's such a, that's such a hoax to make money, you know? My kids don't really need to play organized sports. Like for all human history, nobody's done this. Why do I have to pay $200 for my kid to play soccer? So maybe I could just like shift all this stuff around and, and then I could have this like car that I really need now. And Jesus is saying, whatever you set your eyes on, 
Whatever you spend your time focusing on and thinking about and pursuing, that's where your heart is going to follow. So if your eyes, if if you set your eyes, if you focus on the wrong things, if you focus on yourself, if you focus on your treasures, Jesus says your whole life is going to be full of darkness. Your whole body, your whole life is going to be full of darkness. But he says, if you set your eyes, if you focus on me, if you focus on God's kingdom, if you focus on things with eternal value, then your whole life is going to be full of light. And here's what Jesus is getting at. Jesus was saying, and this is going to be hard for some of us to hear. Jesus was saying there is an undeniable connection between your money and your relationship with God. Most of us don't like to hear that, do we? Because we like to compartmentalize those two things, don't we? We like to have our money over here. Here's my finances over here. That's one compartment of my life. And over here is my relationship with God. Those are two separate things. And Jesus just crushes that wall and says, no, they are connected. Either how you relate to money will draw you closer to God and make you more effective in his kingdom, or it will own you. It will become your master. And then Jesus brings this teaching to a climax with a shocking statement in verse 24. This is what he says. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus says you can't do both. You can't do both. It's impossible. You have to choose. It is foolish to believe that you can love and serve both God and money. We cannot. Our hearts can have only one master. And Jesus says it's either me or it's your money. It's your stuff. So Jesus says, listen, you get to choose, but stop playing games. Stop pretending like you love me when your life is really just all about you. You might be thinking, man, well, Chris, why can't I have it both? Why, why, why can't I have my cake and eat it too? Why can't I love God and invest just a little bit of money in his kingdom and then like spend all the rest on me? Because nobody can serve two masters. Why? Because there's one throne in your heart. Either Jesus sits on that throne or you've placed something else on that throne and whatever sits on that throne is what you serve and it is your master, it owns you. Listen, if money is your master, and this was really hard for me to process this week, if money is your master, you despise and you hate God. Say, wow, Chris, where'd you get that? Read, Read verse 24 again. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters for he will either, what? Hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and what? The other. Despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. There is one throne in our hearts. Say, Chris, you can't can't say, I didn't say that. Jesus said that. Now look, I don't like this teaching very much to be honest with you. It was hard. So I studied it this week and now have to reprioritize some things in my life. And so instead of picking up a car payment this summer, we're going to be investing in sending several college students on mission trips. And just full disclosure, I didn't want to do that. 
I want to do that with my money this summer. But listen, if I say I love Jesus, I've got to obey his commands. Jesus says as much in John 14, 6, he says, those who love me will what? They will obey me. He says the same thing later in the same chapter. chapter he says, those who obey me, those are the ones who really love me. See, Jesus teaches that there's this connection between loving him and obedience. Right? And again, we like to separate those things. We like to say, man, we love Jesus over here. And yeah, maybe we'll obey some of the teachings. Maybe we'll obey some of the commands when, when we feel good about it, when it's easy for us. And Jesus says, no, those two things are connected. If you love me, you will obey me. Let me finish up by giving you kind of three big uh, truths or big ideas um, from this hard teaching of Jesus. Here's the first one. God is calling you as a believer, to be a risk taker in his kingdom. He wants you, he expects you to take risks. And listen, if you are waiting until you feel financially secure to really invest in God's kingdom, let me let you in on a dirty little secret. You will never get there. You're never gonna get there. And young people, I remember thinking this as a kid, like when you're young, when you're in your teens and your 20s and stuff, you think, man, once I get my career going in my 30s and my 40s, whatever it is, then I'll have some extra money to give to God. Guess what? Most of you are gonna end up married with kids and kids are awesome. And kids also have this unrivaled ability to absolutely suck your bank account dry. <laughs> right? Food, they expect to eat every day. Clothes, braces, for God's sake, braces. Sports, recitals, birthdays, Christmases, and on and on it goes. If you are waiting to invest in God's kingdom until you feel like you have a financial cushion, you will never get there. And you will wake up one day at the end of your life and you will have wasted your life storing up treasures for yourself that will rot and rust instead of investing in eternity. God has always called his people to be risk takers with their lives, with their money, with their resources, with their talents, with their time. Risk takers in every area of our lives. From Abram in Genesis all the way to the disciples in the first century church in the New Testament right up until today. Believer, take risks. Be bold. Do hard things. Do things that makes people around you go, what are you doing? Why are you giving away that much? Why are you sacrificing that in your life? Believer, we're called to be risk takers. Now this may be harder for you if you're just kind of one of those people that's naturally risk averse. But listen, the calling from Jesus on your life is just the same. Do you trust me? Do you trust me to take care of you as you invest in my kingdom? Will you jump, even when it's dark, even when it's scary, and trust that I'm going to be there? John, Pastor Jonathan touched on this story uh, for a minute last week, but there's a story in the Gospels of this young guy who was really rich. You guys remember the story, right? And this rich guy, this young guy, he's got everything in the world, and he comes up to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, how do I, how do I obtain eternal life? 
And long story short, Jesus goes through some things, but the, the bottom line is Jesus knows this guy loves his money and loves his possessions more than anything else. That much is clear. And so Jesus says to the guy, because he knows where his heart is, he says, I want you to sell everything that you have. I want you to sell everything that you have, and I want you to give it to the poor, and then I want you to come and follow me. And the guy turned and walked away disappointed. And as far as we know, he never came back because this guy wanted to worship his money. That's what sat on the throne of his heart. And he wanted to have a little Jesus on the side. And Jesus said, no, it's not possible. Either I'm on the throne of your heart or something else is, but there's not room for both of us. I came across a quote from a pastor and a theologian this week. Um, and he was writing about this teaching of Jesus. And this is what he said. He said, there's nothing wrong with making lots of money. It's keeping lots of money for ourselves that becomes wrong. He went on to say, look, go, go, and, make, go and make your millions if you can. Make your millions, make lots of money, and then, and then leverage it. Leverage it in God's kingdom so that when you get to heaven, you'll have an embarrassment of riches waiting on you there. And laying up treasures in heaven. By the way, all that means is investing our money in what God cares about. That's all it means. It means investing our money in God's kingdom. The things that his heart beats for. Instead of our little kingdoms and our pleasures and our desires. Here's the second principle. Money never equals happiness. Never, never, never. Money never equals happiness. And some of you could say amen to that. Some of you have been amazingly successful in your careers. Some of you have lots of money and you'd say, yes, that's true. It doesn't make you happy. I think that's one of the biggest lies that our hearts tend to believe. Man, I, I, I tell you, to my great shame, that I was looking at those cards on my iPad last week. It was intoxicating, it's intoxicating, right? I, like I started looking at the base model. And for, that was like fun for five minutes. And the next thing you know, like 15 minutes in, I'm looking at leather, Bluetooth, moonroof, like the sport track on the top. What do you even use that for? But I was convinced I needed it. I needed it on my car. And all the while, my heart is just drifting towards these treasures that rot and rust. Now listen, if you just bought a new car, this, this isn't a guilt trip. This isn't, this isn't a guilt trip. Um, <laughs> I had three people after the first service come up to me and say, we just bought a new car. Thanks a lot, you jerk. <laughs> I promise you this is not a guilt trip. I, I really, that's not my MO. I don't think we operate best from a place of guilt. So I'm not trying, I'm not trying to guilt you, I promise. I just want you to see the intoxicating danger of money and possessions. And how they so easily can enslave our hearts and turn us away from God. And listen, the scary thing is it's so subtle, friend. It's so subtle that most of the time we don't even recognize that it has a grip in our lives. It's like a, it's like a silent cancer that just ravages our body with no symptoms until it's too late. That's why Jesus constantly on repeat is going back to this subject of money because our hearts are what is at stake. I love the story of Zacchaeus in the Gospels, right? You guys remember that story. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. 
And so we know a couple of things about Zacchaeus just from that. We know, first of all, that he was hated. He would have been absolutely hated in his society. We also know that he would have been disgustingly wealthy. I mean, he would just would have been filthy rich. So, so Zacchaeus had everything that money could buy. He had access to everything that money could buy. We also know that Zacchaeus wasn't happy because he was searching for Jesus desperately, right? He was looking for him. He was doing everything he could to find Jesus because he knew there was something missing in his life. He was rich and he was not happy. And he finally encounters Jesus. And what happens? What's the first thing he says when he encounters Jesus? He said, Jesus, I'm going to give away half my wealth. Jesus, I'm just going to give it away. And not only that, Jesus, anybody that I've defrauded, I'm going to pay him back. And I'm not just going to pay him back, but I'm going to pay him back four times what I've taken from him. And so in reality, Zacchaeus was probably getting ready to give away way more than half of his wealth. But he met Jesus and his heart became generous to the kingdom. He no longer cared about any of that other stuff. And Jesus' response to seeing his life and his heart transformed was, Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to you. I just want to say to you, when we meet Jesus, when he transforms our life, that is the natural response. Say, Jesus, I'm yours. My stuff is yours. This is all about you. This is all about your kingdom. Use me. Leverage me. Leverage my stuff to advance your kingdom in this world. Third principle. Your heart has one throne. You cannot serve two masters. You can't. You're either a slave to money and stuff or you're a slave to the God of this universe who created you and who loves you, who gave his life for you. Which master will you serve? Which kingdom will you invest your treasure in? If you say both, Jesus says to you this morning, you hate me. You despise me. Your heart has one throne. Jesus says, I'm either on that throne or another God is on it, but there is only room for one of us. It's your decision to make, but you can't have both. That's why so many people, I think, hated Jesus in his day. And that's why so many people, I think, hate Jesus even to our day. He demands complete allegiance. He wants all of you. And here's this incredible thing. It's it's when we get to that place of complete surrender. It's when we get to that place where our hearts say, yes, Jesus, I'm yours. Jesus, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do. Wherever you tell me to go, I'm going to go. My possessions, my money, my talent, my time, all of it is yours. Use it up in your kingdom. It's when we get to that place of complete surrender. And by the way, most of us are terrified of complete surrender, aren't we? But it's in that place and it's only in that place where you will fully find the freedom and the joy that your heart seeks. And Jesus teaches us these things. And hear me say this clearly. He doesn't teach these things to make us miserable. (laughs) He teaches us these really hard things because he wants to liberate us. He wants to give us a life full of real freedom and real joy that's only found, can only ever be found in him. As we close this morning, would you bow your heads with me just for a minute? I want us to consider a couple of questions. We're going to sing and we'll go home. Here's a question I think that Jesus would challenge each of us with this morning. Here's a question. Where's your treasure this morning? 
Not, 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 what, not what would you say if I were to ask you that in the lobby. I mean, deep down in your soul and your heart, where is your treasure? What are you treasuring most in your life right now? Who has your heart? I mean, is your current lifestyle, is your current lifestyle freeing you up or hindering you from really investing in God's kingdom? I mean, taking real risk, being, being bold in the kingdom, living generously and abundantly as you store up treasures for yourself in heaven. Here's another way I think that you could probably frame the same question. What are you saying no to in your life right now so that you could store up treasures in eternity? Are you saying no to anything that you want so that you can invest in God's kingdom? When's the last time that you just said to yourself, you know what? I'm gonna make my lunches this week or this month instead of going out to eat so I can support a missionary who's taking the love and the hope of Jesus into some really dangerous and dark places with no hope. When's the last time you said, you know what? I'm not gonna buy that iPhone. I'm not gonna buy that iPad. I'm not gonna buy those golf clubs or that hunting equipment or whatever it is for you because I want to invest in Jesus's bride, the church. When's the last time you denied yourself of something, of anything, so that you can store up treasure in heaven. Jesus says, this is an indication of where your heart is. Who do you really love? What do you really serve? The reality is words are flimsy. What does your life tell people around you about what you value? Where's your treasure? Where's your heart? What are you gonna do about it this week? Let's pray. Jesus, your teachings are hard. Your teachings sting. Oftentimes, your, your teachings can just wreck us. They can mess with us in ways that we don't like that make us feel really uncomfortable. But God, help us not to turn away from these hard truths. Help us not to ignore them. Help us not to just gloss over them. Father, would you teach us instead to press into these teachings? Would you teach us, God, to drink deeply from them? Teach us to live in this new, liberated way. Father, help us to love you more than we love anything else. Help us to love you more than we love our possessions, more than money, more than the stuff that we hope money will buy us one day. God, free our hearts. Free our hearts from slavery to stuff so that we could truly build up treasures in eternity. God, we ask it all in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus, amen. Church, will you stand?